This is the 19th season of Bass Talk Live. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Striking Lures, Aftco, Pro Guide Batteries, X Zone Lures, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, Spro, Gamakatsu, Big Bite Baits, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Beatdown Outdoors, and Sunline. BTL, coming at you. Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we are going to talk about bass fishing. Uh, got a good guest on today. You know, the last like week, two weeks, I've been talking about like average age and kids who were born in like uh, the late 90s and 2000s who are just kicking everyone's butt. Uh, we're going to have uh, Ken Duke on in November, and I would be interested to see. I remember when he was uh, first doing all these stats and stuff, probably 10 years ago when he first started jumping on beat uh btl uh with mark jeffries he was talking that average i believe the average age of an elite series pro was 41 years old and you know the thought process behind that is you're established either you have a second stream of income with a small business or you have enough experience to actually make it through the opens to the elite series anyway 40 41 was the magical age uh and you know we'd point out uh, exceptions to that rule at the time, you know, Justin Lucas, a Jacob Wheeler, a Brandon Polinick, who at the time were in their early 20s. But as a whole, it was 40 years old. And then you look at the uh, Bassmaster Open EQs, the nine anglers who just qualified for the 2024 Bassmaster Elite Series, and the average age was uh, 24 and a half to 25 years old. And the top five guys were average age was 23. Uh, something I've been talking a lot about with. Uh, established anglers who have been around a long time. Actually, this is how long <laughs> it's hard to believe that Jordan Lee is a cagey tour veteran, but uh, but he is. I remember when he was uh, idling out for Auburn University there in 2011, 12, 13. Someone else who fished for Auburn and is our guest today and falls into the category of a young guy who's kicking everyone's ass and made the Bassmaster Elite Series in 2024 would be logan parks logan thanks for uh jumping on btl this morning yeah thanks matt first uh btl experience slash appearance so hopefully we keep getting on here <laughs> it's gotta be yeah uh jeffrey started the bass zone i think before you were alive <laughs> probably so was it over 25 years ago uh yeah it was like it was right around 25 years yeah, because you were born like the internet was a thing when you were born. Yeah, I was born in 98, so I take pride in saying that I was not one of those 2000s kids, but <laughs> it, uh, it's crazy. I think I'm like, the, the you're talking about the, the age. I don't know how old Kyle Patrick is, um, but I think I'm I like... he's like 25. Yeah, I think me and him are like third and fourth oldest out of the guys that qualified, which is... How old are you now? I'm 25. Okay, so... Uh... John Garrett, 28, and Milliken, 34, blew, blew the field away. And then other than that, 25 or younger. It's, that's insane. I mean, did you guys look around when you qualified and were like, man, we kind of run this show now? I mean, you're a group of guys in your early to mid-20s who just made the Bassmaster Elite Series going into next year. That's got to – I mean, you got to feel like you're on top of the world right now. 
Oh yeah, man. And uh, I don't know about running anything, but uh, <laughs> I'm definitely very proud of how the season went. And uh, after coming up short last year, at the end of the year, it felt good, like really good <laughs> to come back and not only like do well again, but like actually qualify and get it done. That was uh, that was awesome. Uh. Talk a little bit about that last one. We had Ben Milliken on the show. He kind of had to make a little bit of a comeback too, as far as being on the outside and then moving in. Uh, did you feel the pressure on the final day of that open at the hair shade? You, you finished day one in a hundredth, and then you had a bounce back day on day two to actually climb back into the elite series cut. But it's not that often that an angler gets a chance to put his boat in the water in the morning and say, I have every single goal that I've ever wanted to accomplish. I don't know if that's a goal that you ever want to accomplish, but the biggest hurdle to get to the elite series in the next eight hours, let's go do it. Yeah. Pressure was on dude. But I mean, to be honest, the the pressure was on uh, all season long. It felt like, I mean, I, I, uh, str I struggled a few different times, probably f at least five of the eight or probably five or six of the nine tournaments this year, I was, you know, 80th or worse after day one and was able to rally and get paid in a lot of those um, even. And so that was, uh, that was something, if I can figure out how to catch them on day one this year, I think we'll do, you know, pretty good. But uh, the pressure was on the final day. And to be honest, it's the Harris chain, you expecting big bags. So I, I had a target weight in my head of, you know, needing about 14, 15 pounds to have a chance. And when I only caught 11, 11, the final day, you know, it was a long ride in, you know, I was like, you know, came so close once again, and uh, we're just going to come up just short again. I was pretty disappointed when I got back to the ramp and I actually checked in with, I pushed it, man. I checked in with like 15 seconds. Oh, really? And, uh, you know, just trying to, trying to do all I could to get one more good bite. And, um, and ended up being well inside. So I was very pleasantly surprised. Uh, you talked about the day two rallies. What do you think? That's something that I struggle with. I struggle with putting two days together. And it's weird because at first I was really good at day ones and then I would suck on day twos. And I'd be like, well, I have to figure out how to find it. Then the last couple of years I've sucked on day ones and I've had really good day twos. That's like the toughest thing in this game is to put back to back days together, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's a it's a struggle for sure. That's something I've struggled with. It's kind of like you find all these places in practice, and day one, it's for me, it's kind of been like, all right, let's figure out like what's good, what's not good, and end up finding out what's really not good. And then day two, I, I feel like I've done a really good job at adjusting this year, whereas last year I didn't do as great a job at adjusting, um, and you know, even sometimes completely scrapped what i was doing the first day and just went and ran new stuff on day two and uh it's worked out good for sure i think toledo bend was probably the biggest rally i had all season the second term of the year i was in 157th after day one i think i had eight eight pounds or ten pounds i don't remember yeah, that's what i had on day one i had the smallest limit in the entire tournament yeah i think i think <laughs> we were both in the same boat um because i had five and uh on day two, I caught like almost 19 and I caught, I literally caught a four pounder in my last cast. Like I pulled up in front of the ramp just on this point that looked good on the map. And there was a mega school there. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, why didn't I get here sooner? Made one cast with a hair jig, caught a four pounder, turned my scale on. I was like, all right, number three has got to go. 
threw a number three back, threw the four pounder in the live well, went back up, pulled the trail motor up, went check down. It was crazy. Did that make it? For, that had to have made it for you because of how tight the weights were there. Like that was probably a three, a two and a half pound cull, which probably was 50 points. Yeah. I mean, I, I had to think right at 16 pounds at the moment and that jumped me up to like 18. So I think I finished 49th. So it, uh, it was a huge cull for sure. Huh. How do you think you've been able to make such good adjustments? Like I said, you're, you're 20 in your mid twenties, usually adjustments. I've, you know, you've, you've been told adjustments and decision-making is based on experience. What do you think it is at such a, such a young age has allowed you to have the maturity to scrap what you've been doing, to find new fish, to have those adjustments and not spin out like so many anglers do. Man, having having a positive, you know, outlook on things for sure helps. Uh, not not getting down on yourself, even you know, no matter how far back you are, especially on you know good fisheries like Toledo Bend. You know, I knew that that's a place that twenty pounds is very possible. Um, so it seems like a big feat that you need twenty pounds, but it's like it's only five bites, really. Um, I would say just. Time on the water, you know, I've, I've fished a lot more the past two years than I ever have because um, I've been in college and had to mm -hmm. go to school. And now I don't, so I get to go fishing a lot more. Um, having some really good roommates this year, I room with uh, John Garrett, who also qualified, um, yeah. Jake Maddox and Josh Bragg. And so yeah, it's strong. being able to talk with them after the first day, you know, and like, you know, okay, what did what did you guys do? How did you catch them? that's helped a lot, you know, working together and, and sharing information um, has been a huge, uh, I would say a huge advantage for us this season. And that's, you know, something I've also used to base my adjustments around. John Garrett, naturally talented angler to me from the outside. I mean, I know him to say hi to and, and chat with, but just from the outside, it looks like he is extremely dedicated to the craft and not only a natural talented angler, but also works his butt off. Yeah, he's one of the most hardworking dudes I ever met. I mean, I uh, I met him in college my freshman year, I think was He was at Bethel, right? Yeah, he was at Bethel. Um we actually like bumped into him the first morning of our first college tournament waiting on blast off and uh he's uh, he's been a good friend ever since and uh, he's he's uh, super deserving. I couldn't be happier for him. He's one of those guys that I think everyone knew was going to make it sooner rather than later. But, uh, I mean, you, you're in that boat last year, but, you know, I throw Sam George into that group too. There's a handful of guys that are always, it seems like, just like one bad luck break out of it for the last couple years. Uh, so it's good to see when those guys, you know, actually come through. Because there is like, there is a weird element of kind of like luck and last minute, I mean, if you look back over the year and been like, it's crazy how things happen when they happen to slide into that top nine. Yeah, it, it is like that last minute fish catch at Toledo. Mm -hmm. um, that was crazy. I've had some crazy, <laughs> crazy moments, man. I mean, to be honest, uh, really the two that stick out to me the most are probably um, Watts bar day two. And I would say Lake of the Ozarks, um, day one. And like Watts Bar, I felt like I had a decent practice and uh, just didn't pan out in the tournament. Only had four the first day. I lost a two-pounder, which was, you know, huge points. That's like a four-pounder um, anywhere else. Yeah. And then day two, it was probably like 130. And I had 
uh, I think I had one fish in the boat. Oh, um, you're screwed. Yeah. And I was actually running to a patch of submerged grass that I had marked in the back of this creek. And I was taking a shortcut between this island and the bank. And it had like like a little like dip down. And there was some dude fishing there. And I was like, crap, I don't want to run over his line where he's fishing. So I sat down. And there was like a little pocket to my right. And I was like, you know what? This pocket looks pretty good. I'll just try this. And I caught four keepers in there. You caught them out of that pocket in between the islands that everybody ran through where Coda was out there just going back and forth and back and forth? Uh, it was in that big creek down by the dam. Um, oh, okay. So you were way down. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, but it was like one of those fluke decisions of like, yeah, this pocket sets up pretty similar to where I was headed. And like, mm-hmm. I don't want to run that guy's line over. So I just sat down here and just fish this. And then I ended up catching four keepers there and I got 40th place and got paid. Wow. Um, yeah. 18 pounds, 11 ounces, nine pounds a day. Yeah. That was uh, one of those super lucky, you know, kind of things. That, or a good decision because I mean, yeah. I'm thinking you're, you're 25 years old. You're like, crap, we're getting down towards the end. I'm up in it. This thing's slipping away. I mean, 99% of guys would be running like a bat out of hell, not paying attention, not taking the visual cues, the subtle things. So there has to be something in that makeup, something in that decision making that allows your brain to kind of slow down in that crunch time and realize, you know, what the potential is. Yeah, I um, last year I felt like like in those situations, I wasn't that great under pressure. Mm-hmm. And I felt like in college, I kind of was pretty good under pressure. Um, it's just like the last few hours of the tournament seemed to be like when we really caught them, like we caught a clutch, big fish, like made really good decisions, especially when we didn't have anything. Um, and last year I was kind of focused on the points and in my head, like, Oh, I'm screwed, you know? And so this year, like, especially at Watts bar day two, you know, I didn't have anything. I was fishing the dam at like one o'clock and I just told myself, I'm like, no point of getting all upset, you know, at yourself because you're still out here fishing every day and that's what you do for a job. And even if you don't qualify this year, then you're going to give it another go next year and uh, you get to do what you love. And, you know, there's no reason to be, you know, all upset about it. And kind of like just said a prayer and kind of was at peace with it. And then uh, after that, I was able to calm down and catch those fish. I think that that really helped out a lot. Would you have fished, been fishing like all, I mean, I assume like right now you fish full time. Like that's what you do. You have been trying to make the elite series for those who don't know. I think everyone should know by now, but you know, short memory, you and Tucker won a million bucks on Table Rock Lake. Was that in 2022? That was November of 2021. Yeah. November of 2021. So they're like, oh yeah, typical kid early 20s, no responsibilities, just goes out and fishes. You kind of earn the right to do that because, I mean, that involved like trucks and boats and split million, but like that was, it was the biggest payout ever in a bass tournament in history. Yeah, you've won the biggest bass tournament in history. (laughs) I never looked at it that way because even though Scott Suggs won a million and, and a couple guys won a million for for the forest wood cup for a couple years didn't you guys get like boats and trucks and all sorts of stuff yeah we got two brand new toyota tundras and uh two brand new nitro z21 xls yeah you've won the biggest tournament in 
bass fishing history, money-wise. What does that feel like? That was crazy, man. It really was a dream come true. And at the timing, really, I don't think it could have been better for me because I was scheduled to graduate in December. So I won that like a couple weeks before graduation. Um, I was looking at trying to fish these uh, these opens and I had some good experience, you know, at Auburn. I felt like I had kind of I was able to at least get my name out there to, to some sponsors and because Auburn student run, I was the president of the fishing team. So I was actually negotiating directly with these sponsors and I had great relationships with them. And I actually had, I would say, you know, almost every single guy that's still on my wrap on board before we won the open, but the open definitely helped um, increase, you know, that financial stability um, to, to go and try it and, and not even just to give it like a year, but actually to be able to give it, it's due time because I've always heard Seth Fighter once told me that, you know, if you fish the opens, you need to fish them for three to five years because on average it takes a person four years to qualify. So mm-hmm. I, was, I told myself I'll give it four years and that's probably the most I need to give it. And if it doesn't work out by then, I'll find something else. And so that kind of gave me that, like, I can do this for four years even, you know, so that was huge. Um, but it really was a dream come true, man. Did you uh did you think of the financial windfall or anything during that tournament? Because I mean you and how old was Tucker? Like 19 or something at the time? I was uh let's see, I was twenty-three. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was twenty-three and he was maybe he not he was twenty, I think. Okay, but I mean, did that really register with you at the time what is it like fishing for like 1.3 million dollars for a day like because i'm sitting here thinking about all these decisions that you're making like boy you really like are tough when it comes to coming back on day two but then you go back to 2021 and you're like well yeah you you've been in some high pressure situations before i mean you went out on that that final day on table rock you're like hey we catch them we get a a million dollars that's a one with seven zeros behind it yeah that was that was crazy i mean to be honest like i never really even thought about it like it just was such a crazy like thought that it just didn't really like register because we had college tournaments all season and you know we had heard about the million dollar thing and never had a chance to fish any of those qualifiers then one day tucker's dad texted us and was like hey guys like Tucker has a nitro, and at the time I was in a different boat. Um, he was like, I can sign you all up. And the way it worked, it was like everyone can register, and then they pick 250 out of a hat, and it's like 250 guys fish this last chance qualifier two days before the championship. Yeah. And this was on Bull Shoals, and he's like, can you guys swing this? And we were already in, like, you know, South Carolina, I think, for a tournament. We're like, yeah, yeah, like, let's let's try it. I'll be sick to, you know, fish, try and fish for a million. So we drove from South Carolina straight there. We got drawn, luckily, um, drove to Bull Shoals, which was just down the road from Table Rock. Had, I think, two days of practice and came in 13th place there. They took maybe the top 25 or 30 to the Didn't Milliken fish that and make yeah, a championship, Milliken, too? He almost won that one. I think he came in second or third. Um and at that time, you know, like I mean, we came in 13th and we made like 
$2,000. And we were like, dude, like, heck yeah. Like we just won a thousand bucks a piece. Like, let's go. And, uh, and we qualified, we had, you know, a half day of practice and everyone else had been out there all week that had already qualified. And we just, we just did exactly what we did at Bull Shoals, just look for bait and uh, kind of let the tournament days determine, you know, how to catch them. And luckily the format was everyone fished, you know, two days for a total weight and then they cut to 50 the final day and zeroed everybody's weights. So, you know, we finally, you know, caught enough. We would catch maybe 12, 13 pounds and then just go looking every day at the tournament, day one and two, because we knew – that the weights were, you know, it was going to be tough and there was no point in, you know, railing on them. We may need those fish the final day. And if you're weight zero, there's no point of being in the league before that. Um, so that was our plan and it worked out good. I think we're in eighth place after the two days and they cut to 50 and the weight zeroed and then just, uh, just went fishing, man. I mean, it, it, uh, everything just seemed to happen like, it you know it was meant to be it was just things you couldn't do any wrong with we had a camera guy in our boat he was about to i think he was about to leave because we weren't catching anything and every day they would get fired up around 10 or 11 Mm -hmm. and we had i think two keepers and we were like dude like we're gonna catch them you know don't leave us like just just bear with us till at least 11 o'clock um and then at 11 o'clock that around that time frame we ran by a place that set up similar to what we were fishing but we hadn't fished it before and there was birds going crazy, a bunch of loons diving, a bunch of seagulls like flocking around. So we knew there was like obviously some bait getting pushed to the surface and we pulled over there and dropped the troll motor in the water. And I mean, I think we had 15 pounds in like 30 minutes. Were there just Easter eggs everywhere under the bait? Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were just loaded dude. And, and we were just, I mean, that was really probably one of the first events that, I caught everything solely on panoptics and uh, saw the power of it. And it was just crazy how, how we were catching these fish. I mean, they were, they were under the surface, you know, like maybe 10, 15 feet deep. Even some of them were down 30, 40 foot, but they were suspended over like 150. And the only reason we even knew that bait was there is because of the birds. Um, so luckily, you know, just knowing the, you know, to, to look for those birds, that was, you know, a big key of just being on the water and knowing what birds do and how that the bait can be pushed up because of the bass. And luckily they weren't stripers. They were all big, you know, smallmouth and spotted bass, but I caught a four pound smallmouth that uh, ran straight at us. And I thought it was small and then dove under the boat. And when I pulled it back up and we got it in the net, my hook was almost completely straight. Oh my gosh. So stuff like that, man, it was, It was crazy. We pulled back up to the same place with uh, 30 minutes left and caught two three and a half pound spots and cold up to the winning weight. So just uh, it was one of those days that you couldn't do anything wrong for sure. God, Were you no. guys like screaming and high fiving and stuff, or was it pretty like you both? Both of you guys seem like fairly mellow individuals. Like you're just like, oh yeah, that's a that's a big one. Or were you guys like going just nuts? Oh, we were getting hyped, dude. I mean, we caught that smallmouth. And I mean, like I said, we had 12 pounds the first two days. And, the you know, I thought best case scenario, we could probably catch 15 if we got five three-pound bites. But we'd only been catching one or two threes a day, you know, mostly like two, two-and-a-half pounders. So 
we were just looking at like, all right, 15th place is paying like 30,000 or something yeah. like that. <laughs> like, I mean, we didn't even contemplate the possibility of winning. Um, and then we caught that, I caught that big smallmouth. I'm like, gosh, this one's a lot bigger than anything we've seen this week. And then we, we turn around look at our scale and it's, we got 16 pounds. I'm like, dude, this could, this could, we could have a chance with this. And, I don't know. I just, I just never even thought about winning it, to be honest. Like our camera guy, I remember he asked me a question in the middle of the day. He was like, what would it be like to win, you know, the million dollars? And I was like, that would be pretty cool, man. <laughs> and he was like, that might be the understatement of the year, <laughs> but I just had no idea in my mind of you know, actually pulling it off. Are those trophies on either side of that? Yeah, they are. Did you get to keep that one of those? Yes, we did. We got what do you- both of them. What do you do with a trophy that's that big? It's huge, dude. It, uh, it took up our whole coffee table. I had it in here in the living room, but my fiance made me put it upstairs, unfortunately. I like looking at it, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how cool was Johnny Morris? Over? I just got to hear him talk at the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame banquet, and we obviously know what he's done uh, for uh, bass fishing and conservation and all that. Like, Did you have some like one-on-one time with Johnny? Yeah, we did. We actually got to go to the this fancy dinner they had the night before because Tucker's uh, dealer, Lee Holmes and Silicon Marine, Lee had qualified, and they're one of the biggest nitro dealers, uh, if not the number one nitro dealer in the Southeast. And uh, so they had like a special banquet slash dinner at that Top of the Rock place there. In, uh, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, it was super nice and, you know, had like, all the guys there, all the Bass Pro pros, Randy Howell, you know, Mark Daniels and all those guys were there. And um, we actually got to go and have dinner and, and shake his hand the night before the final day. And that was really a cool experience just getting to meet him. And then when he saw us on stage, he like obviously recognized us from the night before and was like, you know, so happy for us. And it's, he, uh, he came up to me and just gave me a hug. And I mean, there was just like tears streaming down his face and it's like, yeah, that's a, that's a freaking ideal scenario for Bass Pro Shops, what they were trying to do uh, with that tournament circuit. And then to have two young anglers like that, who fish collegiately tournament fish to represent them. Did that turn into, I see you got a, that's a Bass Pro Shops hat on now. Did that turn into like a sponsorship with Bass Pro Shops following kind of that year as the reigning champs? Yeah, so they um there was nothing like in the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, if you won, you get a deal or whatever. It's just like here's a boat and a truck and this money, and you can do whatever you want. But <laughs> we kind of negotiated something, and and they wanted to work with us. You know, like, I think Johnny said something on the stage to me towards the end of the way, and it was like, you know, we'd like to visit with you about working together in the future. I'm like, dude, absolutely. Like, it's always <laughs> been a dream of mine to. To, you know give it a go and to be to, to get to work with an awesome company like bass pro shops you know that would be ideal so we were able to get in touch with bass pro and work something out and i've worked with them for two years now and uh looking forward to hopefully getting something to put together for next year too uh, it's been a great great partnership what was the media exposure like following that win not from the fishing websites and shows and things but i mean you guys did like national big time media stuff for the million dollars right i mean there was what was the craziest interview 
that you think you did following that win? Craziest interview. Um, I mean, you did like some national news stuff, didn't you? Yeah, we uh, we did uh, a bunch of stuff. I'm trying to think about what would have been like the biggest one. Um, Because that is a PR machine over there at Bass Pro Shops. Like their marketing PR machine. It's not like someone in an office. It's like a it's like the wing of a White House. Yeah, I would say I would say just all of it put together. I mean, it was like I don't. We never got interviewed on like Fox or CNN or you know NBC or whatever. Like we never went on like a big show like that. But they talked about it. You know, like mm-hmm. it was like an event that was so big that it gained a crazy amount of attention, um, probably more than anything I've seen. And so as far as like growing the sport and getting, you know, popularity on bass fishing, I think that was a, a major event for that. I mean, it was mm-hmm. really cool to see how much attention that it got. Uh, just showing how powerful Johnny Morris really is. He has an event. He names it the U S open. They're like, Hey, the U S open already exists. He's like, yeah, no, that's cool. We'll still do the U S open. So now you've won the, the Bass pro shops, U S open. Dude, you got to go out to Mojave or Mead and try to win the one Bass U.S. Open. Now, like, could you imagine if you were like, yeah, I've won every U.S. <laughs> Open possible to to win? I was actually talking to my buddy Julius Macy. Uh, oh, dude, I love Julius. Yeah, Julius is the man. And and we've been fired up about trying to go out there. Me and him and Jake Maddox <laughs> have been for a few years. But last year there was uh, an Open on top of it. This year there was an Open on top of it. And next year, there's another open on top of it. I'm like, come on, like, I'll, I'll Wait, you're like, fishing oh. the open still. Yeah, well, next year I'll have a chance to go, hopefully. But I really did want to fish Hartwell, <laughs> so it's like, I hear you. it's like drive three hours and probably get paid, or like drive 37 hours and maybe not catch bass. I don't know if the other one would be a good financial decision. But I, I, I told Julius, I was like. <laughs> I could be the first person to win both U.S. Opens. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. That would be sick. I, I definitely plan on going out there. If it's not next year, it'll be, you know, a, I want to make it a yearly thing to try and go out there and fish that because it, it uh, seems like such a historic event, too. It is. It, is. it just went down uh, last week. Gro- Grover, I believe got the w in that uh there's i always try you like you don't want to like in the opens on guys that you know but you don't know like when you go over and say hi to them you know how you like don't want to like overtly look at the stuff they have tied on like in the tournament or practice like just to kind of you just kind of make sure that you like let them know like hey i'm over here to just say hi to you not to see what the hell you have tied on dude i always look at what julius has on the front deck because he's always got some wild stuff up there man like there's always like glide baits everything's like so meticulous and neat like i just walk over and start looking at his front deck and i'm like hey what's up dude i mean because it's nothing i even own and he's got like 20 rods all with just like wild stuff on it yeah dude julius is is uh he's got that you know the hookup tackle and they've got all kinds of crazy cool stuff um He's definitely got some of the nicest tackle I've ever seen <laughs> out of anybody in the opens. I bet the glide baits, everything up there for sure. All right, uh, we need to take a break. When we come back, uh, you also have uh, the Logan Parks Fishing Foundation, uh, and you have a like a chaos. You have a combination high school college fishing deal. Uh, when we come back, I want to get your take on 
both high school and college fishing because it's exploding uh, right now. And I want to get your take on what you think the best direction for that is and then kind of go into that tournament that are you that you're hosting, sponsoring? Yeah. Combination yeah, we'll of both. So all right. It is BTL. Oh, we've already made it to Tuesday. It's BTL on a Tuesday, right? Today's Tuesday. Yeah, today's Tuesday. We'll be back right after this. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry-leading design coupled with tournament-winning performance. The Puma STS from BassCat. Feel the rush. If you're a construction worker, soccer dad, soccer mom, you want to be outdoors, oh, you've seen the Reaper. This right here is the Zip Up Full Reaper, but it's windproof, folks, windproof. And it actually has the mask built in. It's behind me. I mean, if you can look good, feel good, and stay warm, you better check it out. It's the Zip Up Reaper. That's right, windproof. Shoreline Boat and RV, dock rash, storm damage, collision repair, that deep scratch or gouge from trying to access that secret creek. Shoreline Boat and RV can get your prized possession back in mint condition and looking good on the water, fast. All repairs are done in-house, so they're able to get your boat or RV back to brand new, quickly. All Shoreline's work comes with a rock-solid warranty. Find out more at ShorelineBoatAndRV.com, Kansas City, Austin, and Tulsa. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different. And really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.xzonelures.com and check them out for yourself. The great thing about the new Sensation Soft Plastics from Big Bite Baits, heavily scented, super soft, buoyant, comes in seven great new shapes. I've got a couple of them of my signature series, the Cliffhanger Worm and the Ramtail Craw. Great for a flipping jig, football jig, swim jig, all that. Several other great shapes. Really excited about it. We've worked over the last year. Catches fish all over the country, and I think it's going to catch fish for people everywhere you try it. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat so you can never have enough new colors. 
That's why Spro is coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the matte sexy shad just a really different looking color for a crankbait so you want to give them a little different look that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with all these colors are available in the original little john and the md all right welcome back talking with one of the nine new bass master Elite Series Anglers to the Open EQs, Logan Parks. Uh, are you, like, ready for the Elites? Like, I, I mean, I've always thought it ends in October, and then it's like, cool, you have, like, 100 days to get ready for the top level. You're talking boats, sponsors, electronics, entry fees, all sorts of stuff. Or are you, like, right in the middle of trying to just figure all this stuff out for next year? Man, I'm just trying to figure it out right now. I mean, it's... uh that's the one downside to fishing so late in October. I mean, I uh, I don't even know if you'd have 100 days. Probably more like, you know, 40 or 50 to try and get everything lined up to where you can get your boat wrapped and get your new boat in, let mm -hmm. alone get wrapped, get your jerseys in on time, all that good stuff. So in the process of, of talking with everybody right now, um, but I already paid my deposit. <laughs> so, so we're in. I'm looking forward to it. It's a fairly friendly schedule for an incoming rookie especially with the elites having the one year since their tournament schedules announced the off limits but i mean a number of familiar fisheries from the opens this past year uh the have you feels fairly manageable to you in your rookie season just based on where we're, where you guys are headed yeah man i'm looking forward to it a lot i like the schedule a lot i think it sets up well for how i like to fish um you know i like fishing offshore I don't really, I mean, I like, I don't get me wrong. I'd much rather fish shallow, but I feel like I'm better offshore than I am shallow fishing. Like I'm not like a Greg Hagney, go catch 15, 16 off the bank. No problem. But even though that's what I would rather do, I think that offshore fishing sets up better for me. And the schedule is going to be, I think a lot of offshore fishing. Um, I've been to eight of those nine places already. Yeah in college um and in the opens last year so that's cool too i've got some familiarity with the schedule just never been to fork so probably go check that place out in the next month or so that's easy i hear you just dump your boat in and just just run if it's open yeah. water you run it if you can see it you can run it hmm. <laughs> yeah just dodge and stop sticking out of the water <laughs> I, I wouldn't recommend that uh offshore are you a straight scoper are you one of these new age scopers or are you a guy who utilizes it i use it a lot yeah but i'm not like let me get to the boat ramp and put the trauma in the water and go scoping like I, I i feel like i just use it to learn how these fish react to my baits and how they're setting up on the structure but i still find a lot of stuff with side scan most of the, everything i fish i find with side scan whether it's a group of fish on like a hard spot or a rock pile or a brush pile. Um, I mean, most everything I fished this year, I found on side scan. 
and then I use live scope to be more accurate, but mm -hmm. it's not like I'm just trolling in the middle of nowhere, you know, but I've done some of that too. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do whatever I got to do to catch a bass. I think there's a perception that like seven or eight out of the nine guys who qualified, get to a body of water, go to the biggest basin, put the trolling motor down and just start zigzagging across the dang thing until they see a fish and then cast repeatedly till they catch it. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's not how it goes down. I'll give you an example of, of how easy it is to catch them scoping. We had the Toyota owners tournament last first time I got to fish it. And the last time I get to fish it, this past weekend on Pickwick and uh, we just tried to go out and, and live scope and, you know, we live scope structure, you know, like just current breaks and, and, you know, ledges and brush piles and rock piles, that kind of stuff. But I bet we threw it 300 fish and uh, we caught three. So that shows you that it's not like, oh, I'm just throw these fish until they bite. I mean, there's a lot of fish that just don't bite. I mean, that's just part of it. Are you a five transducer guy? No, I'm not. I mean, <laughs> that's, uh, I guess I might have five in total, but I've got a hummingbird transducer. I've got a Lawrence transducer. I've got 360. Uh, I really like 360. 360 is a, it's an awesome tool. And then I've got, you know, a Garmin, uh, LF, L, LVS 34. Yeah. So you got, uh, you got all three. Yeah, I dabble around with all of them just to see what I like. I don't know what I'm going to do next year, but um, definitely, uh, definitely a big fan of mixing it up. Uh, any new sponsors or anything for next year on the Elite Series that you blocked up? Not anyone so far. Um, just trying to figure all that out. Honestly, still that's what my plan is this week. Send a bunch of emails and uh, get in touch with everybody. All right, so you run a fishing chaos raft what is what is that so fishing chaos is a lot of things um basically their main gist is that they're a platform that allows tournament directors to run tournaments more efficiently and effectively and gather better analytics and information from the anglers competing in those events um it's also a place that charter captains can completely manage their business through. You can book trips, schedule, you know, whatever you need to do, mark your calendars um, on that. So I've got uh, a guide service that I manage through Fishing Chaos as well, um, just here on Lake Martin around the house. Um, and uh, it's also, they're also diverging more into the actual like fishing industry space business wise. They've got a lot of, really cool things they're working on that I can't really talk about right now. That's more marketing directly with the brands um, that I think will be really exciting. And I think you're going to find out what fishing chaos, you know, can do here in the next couple of years. They're going to, it's going to be awesome. How long has it been around? So we met them at ICAST my freshman year of college, which was, I think around a few, maybe one or two years after they had just gotten started. Um, and that was, I guess, 2018. Okay. Um, we met them at, and when we were down there fishing for Auburn. And they were like, hey, we're Eagle guys. And we had our Auburn jerseys on. They ended up, they're all Auburn graduates. So that was cool. And kind of got in touch with them. Then they started sponsoring the team. 
And I've got a great relationship with John over there. He's the owner of Fishing Chaos. And when I told him I wanted to fish the Opens, he was the first one to jump on board with me. So I'm very, very thankful for those guys. They've uh, they've really done a great job and they've got a lot of cool things going on. Okay, I don't yeah. feel as bad now. So it's like kind of the Swiss Army knife of fishing, yeah, they, they websites and well. apps and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, they've got an app. Um, they got a website. They can mm -hmm. really do it all. We're actually hosting my tournament that's coming up through the app. Um, so I'm really looking forward to uh, to doing that. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things that I definitely wanted to talk to you about. Uh, you actually sent me a link in our pre. We we had like a three minute pre show meeting. I was pretty proud of myself. Uh, let me see if I can pull this up right here. All right, there it is. So. Talk a little bit about this high school college chaos. I've seen you've been posting about it on social media. I've seen some other stuff on social media about it, but it's like a hybrid high school college tournament. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what it is. It's the high school college chaos presented by Abu Garcia. Um, it's going to be November 12th on Lake Martin and uh, it's going to be an awesome time. It's, it's a unique format where we have a college angler as the boater and the high school angler as his fishing partner. So we're gonna pair two high uh, a high school and a college guy up to fish together as a two person team. With the way that, you know, high school and college fishing has just really exploded. I think this will be a super cool opportunity for recruiting for both, you know, college teams and high school anglers. We've got some big scholarships being offered up from uh, several of the big college programs. Drury's got a scholarship $60,000 scholarship they're offering Bethel's got two uh, separate high school scholarships they're offering um, and really just wanted to create a unique opportunity to bring those two groups of people together because I remember when I was in high school and then jumped into college and it was like whoa like I don't know any of these guys it's super overwhelming and kind of intimidating and hopefully through this event it'll be a, a, even a good networking opportunity for these guys to just get to know each other better. Um, it's going to be a cool format, catch, weigh, photo, release. And uh, we're, we got 250 tournament scales that we're going to be giving out for all the guys participating. Um, it's going to be a big payout as well. We've got 15,000 guaranteed for first place. Right now we've got 65 teams signed up. So pretty good odds. If you're a, a college or high school guy, you may want to look into getting registered because uh, I don't think you're going to find anywhere that you can fish for that kind of money elsewhere in high school or college. Um, yes. So if you're a college or high school angler, you're, you're eligible for it. If you're have a kid who's a high school or college angler, you need to tell them about it. And when yeah. you said, when can you register up until? So you can register all the way up until November 5th. Um, okay. Right now we've got uh, over 15 of the top colleges in the nation participating and uh, we really need, you know, more college guys. So if there's any college guys watching this, we kind of depend on the college anglers, depending on how many boats we have, because they're the boaters. So uh, definitely reach out to me on social media if you can't uh, figure out how to get signed up, but you just go to the fishing chaos website or the app and sign up for the Logan parks fishing foundation, high school, college chaos presented by Abby Garcia. It's going to be an awesome time. We're doing some really cool stuff. We've got a, we've actually got a draft. So how we're going to actually pair the anglers. Um, the high school kids will fish and practice and submit their catches every day of practice, just like they were in the tournament. And we're going to rank them based on their best day of practice. Oh, wow. And we have a list 
of like, you know, Jimmy caught a hundred pounds on Wednesday and Tommy had 85. And so like the list will go down one through however many teams we have. And we're going to pass that list out on Saturday. So the practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we'll have the pre-tournament meeting. They won't be allowed to practice via off day. We're going to hand those lists out to all the college guys. And in a random order, they're going to draft their high school partner. So it'll be really cool, I think. And uh, mm-hmm. we've got a really cool venue, too. We're actually going to be having it in Jordan-Hare Football Stadium. So super excited for that. Oh, yeah, dude. This needs to – like every single – this is – I see a great opportunity for the high school kids. I mean, an amazing opportunity. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's going to be huge. I, I, I kind of – my goal for this is to, you know, make it kind of like the pinnacle of high school and college recruiting. Um, and, uh, you know, especially for high school guys, there's huge upside. Get to meet some of the best college guys in, in the nation. Mm-hmm. Fish for a lot of scholarships and some, you know, big, big prizes, big payout. And then for the college guys, you know, come and make an impact on a high school kid's life. I mean, you have the potential to – inspire someone to do something great. And uh, this is a fantastic opportunity to boost your school and, you know, in recruiting and uh, get to know these guys and, you know, win some extra money that may help you fish the opens or Mm -hmm. may help you pay off your student loan. And no, the college people aren't boat captains. It's a team format. So they're both fishing like equally. Yeah. They're both fishing together, just like a, just like a team tournament. So they, uh, well, that would have been super cool. Like I could imagine if you're 15, 16 years old to, to hop in the boat with a dude who's got the Auburn jersey on or the Bethel jersey or, you know, uh, for those, you know, we put this up here just to make sure. So I was trying to find it. It's, it's fishing chaos, dot com for those of us who are uh, spelling challenged. And then this is what pops up if you're looking at the screen like that. And then you just click on find a tournament at the top. And there it is right there register share view rules also uh you have the links on your uh social media information uh logan parks fishing correct yeah everything's out there on my instagram um like i told you in the pre uh pre-meeting we had i'm not gonna it sounds so official doesn't it (laughs) yeah i'm not gonna go too into the weeds on the format of the actual tournament day but it is gonna be really cool there's gonna be like some brackets going on where you catch them you go here if you don't catch them you go over here but you can still get back over here like so go to my instagram uh, or my facebook page and look at the uh, tournament day format video explained and that will really explain how it works but if there's uh, an odd number like let's say there's 300 high school kids but like 150 college guys how because i've got people in this at feedback he's saying hey i'd be interested in like helping as a boat captain or something if there's too many yeah, unfortunately, we're kind of we kind of got our hands tied with the format yeah. for college guys. I mean, it depends on how many college guys we have um, this year for how many high school guys, or how many total teams we're going to have. Um, mm-hmm. We're pretty much right at dead even right now, okay. but uh, trying to boost that registration up. I think we've got 65 or 66 total teams signed up. Um and, you know, this is just the first year we're doing it. It's going to be an inaugural thing. So I think we'll be able to learn, um, you know, what we liked about this this year and what we didn't and hear back from the anglers and even adjust it um, for next year. So looking forward to putting it on. I think it'll be a lot of fun and a great opportunity for student mm-hmm. anglers. Did you do the high school fishing thing? 
Yeah, I did. Um, that's, you know, kind of why I wanted to get this started is because it's just something I'm super passionate about that it resonates with me is, is high school and college fishing and especially high school because I, um, I started the fishing team at my high school when I was in eighth grade. Um, that's when I actually fished my first bass tournament. I had always fished, but never competitively and uh, didn't make the baseball team got cut and I was pretty devastated about it. And it was like the fall of my eighth grade year. I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, I don't know. I thought I was going to play in the MLB. And, and, uh, I started, uh, started fishing where we heard there was fishing teams in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this was even before there was like an Alabama bass nation. This was like, this AFC. was before it absolutely yeah. bloated. Yeah, it was. Cr- I mean, we started fishing in eighth grade and there was like a hundred, 150 boats in these tournaments. And then by 10th grade, they started Alabama Bass Nation. And by my senior year, we were averaging like 350 boats. What are your thoughts on that, Logan? Is there, does there need to be, I mean, dude, you are right in the middle of this. You're a great person to ask about this. Am I the old guy who doesn't understand how this works or, or does there need to be some sort of reformatting of how these mega tournaments go off in high school. No, I, I agree a hundred percent, man. I mean, like I said, like my senior year of high school, we went from having 150 votes to averaging like 350 a tournament and Bass Nation in Alabama actually had to split and do a North and a South. And now from what I've heard that, I mean, they're having 250 votes, per tournament, per division now. It's crazy, dude. And and I actually captained my cousin uh, his senior year this year at the national championship they had at Hartwell for the Bassmaster High School Natty. And, you know, I think it's awesome. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to take away from how, you know, it's great that we're growing the sport and getting these youth anglers involved. But we had 481 teams compete in that tournament. And, like, at, at a point, you just have to look at that and say, like, this is unsafe. You know, like, I mean, you don't even have three ramps that can house that many people. And they're telling us just put in wherever. And you got all these guys driving over in the dark in the morning. I mean, that's a, it's a bit extreme. I feel like a, a championship at least should be a little bit more exclusive and harder to make it. That's from a safety standpoint and a logistics standpoint. I got emails about that tournament from boat captains who said, hey, our kids, by the time we got to the ramp in the morning to the time we took off, it was three and a half hours. <laughs> and they were like, dude, like they were over it before we even took off. Like we were boat 370 yeah, and they literally we took an hour and a half nap. Yeah, And then by the time you did the weigh-in and you did it, they're like, it was like a 21-hour day and my kids were just over it. Like, they were done in a national championship. Um, That's a logistics issue. I feel like you can fix logistic issues, but but it would have to become more exclusive, right? So I talked, I basically talked with Bass kind of off the record about this and they said, hey, we want... It was a percentage of the teams to qualify for the championship, whether I think it was like 10%. Well, that 10% is massive now based on the field size. So 10% five years ago would have been 200 boats. Well, now it's 430 boats. And they're like, we're still keeping it at that percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you've you've seen it from the boat captain perspective. You've seen it from the angler perspective. You excelled in college, uh, you and, and, uh, 
you and Tucker were team of the year in 2021. Uh, what, what needs to be done to maximize the junior and high school experience? Like, is there a solution to this number of boats? Cause like you said, growing the sport, it's great to get them involved, but at some point are they not learning horrible habits and you're turning some kids off and then it becomes all about the competition and you're not building a foundation and a base and actually able to run patterns and make decisions just because of how many boats are on the water and how much pressure are on these 12 to 16 year old kids. Yeah. I, I can't imagine that having 481 boats or whatever it was on a lake is great for the fishery either. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I will say that I think Bassmaster did a fantastic job with handling that many. I was very surprised, you know, the logistics, that's a nightmare. And, you know, I can't imagine the economic revenue that the town got because there was another, I mean, 150 or whatever it was tournament for the junior national championship, like a couple of days before ours. So that's awesome. Um, I, I think that maybe we could look into, having some regionals and then, you know, taking, taking areas and combining, you know, like the South, but the problem is a lot of it is the South. Most yeah, of a lot it of it's Alabama, East Texas, uh, but Illinois, Alabama, like Alabama, and like, that's where I'm from. You know, I love Alabama and I want mm -hmm. them to succeed, but I mean, we sent, I think they said that we sent like 70 or 80 teams to the championship, the which, national championship, which is absurd. You know, that's like, yeah, you want you don't want to rob them of a of a experience though. Yeah, you, yeah, you don't want to. It's it's a, it's a tough like you know I'm fifty fifty on it because I think that they did a good job with it. It was cool that they were able to handle that many, but you get much more than that. I don't know what you would do. I, I think maybe you have some some more. You you advance. You know, maybe make it like a bracket, like a like they do with college football. You know, and you get to regional. And then you have those guys compete and you take a percentage of them to the championship. And then you still make the championship maybe three, three fifty at the most. Um, but I don't know. If, uh, definitely be interesting to see what they do. Not a knock on uh, either organization that runs junior and high school tournaments, but it's kind of their victims of their own success in a way. And I feel like maybe the field has gotten ahead of how, many uh, of the tournaments like i mean you have something you don't expect it it's like when you have a barbecue for 10 and 50 people show up <laughs> like you know what i mean like yeah. you have to be like hey we either need to like bring more barbecues next time or limit you know have an invite only deal uh but like i said uh, it's not an anti junior or high school fishing yeah, rant. No, it's, it's it's trying to make that experience better for that next generation so they want to come back so they can learn the things that they need to in order to end up in a position like you are right now, uh, which is qualified for the elite series. So you've seen this, you've been on the water the last year or two. Uh, are these high school and junior kids, are they, I mean, are they on the front deck, both of them looking at active target and scope and just, I mean, is it freaky at 25 to see what the 15, 16 and 17 year old kids are up to? Is it a whole nother level that's coming behind this or is it, are we seeing like kind of a plateau? I mean, are they just out there? That's what I'm saying. Or is everybody up on the front scoping and open? Dude, they're coming, man. They're, uh, oh, yeah. they're Great. coming for sure. I mean, you already see like Trey McKinney, he's 18. Yeah. He balled out this year, kicked my butt all year long. And, uh, 
I think you're going to see more of that. <clears throat> I really do. More guys that just skip this, the college step completely. And uh, no way. How did? But how do you do that? How do you have a foundation base? Like, is this a thing where you're going to have a ceiling of all these young kids and then it's going to crash because they, it, it, because it's all, is it all electronics based or do you, are you see, do you think it's because these kids are like, okay, there's a junior program. I can see the steps. I'm obsessed with it. I'm treating it like high level baseball, hockey, football. So my skill set at 18 is way higher than most angler skill sets at 18 were. 20 years ago you see what i'm saying there yeah I, I see what you're saying i i try to avoid saying that it's all electronics based i know mm -hmm. people are probably getting fired up in the comments right now but it's what it boils down to man is hard work and these kids are going out there and fishing every day and like learning and and then they're you know they have experience and time on the water and i feel like I feel like these these kids are, are working really hard to learn this technology and, and figure out when and when not to use it. And that's like something that I think high school is a great time to learn, you know, trial and error of what's successful and what's not. But I mean, these kids are fishing more than I've ever seen. And yeah, like good. a lot of them are like, you know, financially able to. And that's awesome. I think that's great. Um, I'd much rather them be fishing than doing something else. You know what I mean? But um, I, I don't know. It's 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 cool to see how the the high school fishing has grown, and I think that the technology does help. I would say the technology helps decrease that experience curve. You know, like if you go somewhere new, you can figure that place out quicker with the technology. Versus like, oh, I've been to Toledo Bend 20 times and, you know, this is where they normally mm -hmm. get kind of thing, uh, which I think is good for young people. I do think that. I would, I would like to see, uh, I would like to see at the, the boat captain level, maybe a course when it comes to, I mean, dude, I've heard of so many amazing stories of boat captains who have gone above and beyond for, I mean, some of them aren't even their kids or any relation of, of teaching the right way to do it and learning experiences on the water when it deals with finding fish, when it deals with fishing around other boats. But then you also hear of the 5% of boat captains who are in it to win it. And the kids are just, you know, it's a, a feather at their cap. If their kids win it, I, I, I think that there's also the perception that there's a lot of win at all costs now at that high school level, at that junior level, as opposed to learning, which is where the focus should be on. Uh, and it's an interesting dynamic because I think you're seeing it more turn into a recognized high school and college sport where there is a lot of pressure on performance. Did you feel when you were fishing in high school and college a pre pressure to perform or did you feel like you were learning and kind of whatever happened along the way happened? I would say a lot more pressure in college to catch them than in high school. But in high school, it was like, it was a significant learning curve. Cause I mean, I mean, dude, we went from fishing ponds every day okay. after school to like, okay, we're going to compete in our first tournament. Like let's go fish a lake. Never done this before. And, uh, 
give you an example of how little I knew in eighth grade of fishing. I probably shouldn't even say this story, but there was a senior on the high school team uh, named Dalton. And it was the th three of us started the fishing team. It was me and my friend Lucas and my friend Carson. Mm -hmm. And we were like the three amigos. And we drew straws because Lucas's dad had the boat of who got to fish with Lucas. And the, and the longest straw or whatever had to fish with Dalton. And we wanted to fish with Lucas because we didn't want to fish with some random dude. So I ended up getting paired with Lucas and Carson got paired with Dalton. And I'm like, dang, maybe I should have got paired with Dalton because they came in 12 <laughs> and got a plaque at the first one. And me and Lucas zeroed. But Dalton, we ran into him on the water and they were like, hey, come over here where they were fishing this bridge. They're like, throw a shaky head on this bridge, on this riprap. And we were, we were getting some bites and it was on Weiss Lake. It was like 20 degrees and it was snowing my first ever tournament <laughs> so we we're like throwing out there and he's like guys you're fishing way too fast and i'm like well if i don't drag it fast enough the head doesn't shake and he's like what are you talking about and he trolls over there and i had a chatterbait tied on oh <laughs> god because <laughs> the head shook it. yeah so that we had a significant learning curve to overcome in, in high school. And we, we had some good events in 10th grade. We came in third in the national championship, which was really one of our first tastes of good success that got us fired up. Like, you know, we can compete at this and do well. And we want to get back to that championship and have another chance at it. Um, but we had some awesome captains, like you said, like neither of our dads fished, but they had oh, friends wow. that did fish. And uh, their friends took the time out of their weekends to take high school guys like us fishing. And I think there's a lot of awesome boat captains out there that, you know, maybe don't even have a son, but they take these guys out there. And yeah, that's them. why you are right now. Like you are a direct result of high school fishing. Yeah, 100 percent, dude. Yeah. And that's I, don't, great. I don't want that opportunity to ever go away because yep. it is such a cool I mean, I get chills thinking about it, you know, it's such a cool platform. Uh, yeah. And then Tucker will be there when basically whenever he decides to be there. Yeah. Yeah. He'll probably make it in the, in the first year he fishes. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. The, uh, fishing chaos, high school, college chaos presented by Abu Garcia, Lake Martin, November 8th through 12th, uh, with the weigh in, you said there, the whole event is held at the stadium yeah so it's it's gonna be a one-day tournament like i said the draft is on uh saturday their off day and then the tournament's on sunday it's catch wave photo submit through fish and chaos release format but there's a few different like brackets um but we're gonna have three rounds so like six to 10 a.m 10 to one o'clock and then one to three o'clock and we'll have the live leaderboard available on the Fish and Chaos app for the first two rounds. But when the round three begins, and the anglers will be able to see this as they submit their catches. But as round three begins, the leaderboard will disappear. So no one will know if they've won or not. Um, they're actually going to have to trailer their boats back to Auburn from Lake Martin, which is about 30 minutes up the road. And uh, we're going to have a trophy presentation and, you know, hand out the checks and figure out who won the thing. Um, the, the draft and all that's going to be in Jordan Hare and then the weigh-in because there's not enough boat parking on campus. We're doing that at the uh, Auburn 
junior high school, which is ironically where I completely started it all. So no that's way. That's awesome. Uh, fishingchaos.com main website pulls up then click on find a tournament right there you can register you can see the rules you can share it. you can also go to uh logan park's social media uh logan park's fishing on instagram high school college angler within 500 miles of lake martin no reason you shouldn't be a part of this coming up november 8th through 12th what else you got logan you so you guide too yeah, I do a little bit. It's it's more of like I don't uh, I don't really have like a, a the guiding license, but on Lake Martin, the way the rules are, like there's no lock, so you can just take people. I got of, I think Smith or whatever. So I'll just take people out and do you know electronics training trips. Um, I get a lot of you know high school parents reaching out to me, seeing if I can take their son and teach them. So I like doing that stuff. I mean, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if guys didn't take me and teach me, you know, like my dad's friends and also college guys on the Auburn team when we were in high school, took us out fishing. We actually went pond fishing one time with Jordan Lee when he was at Auburn. Really? Yeah. I was pretty, you got any pictures of that? Yeah. I got some photos. Have you put it up? Have you put any, posted any of them? Um, I'd have to look way back to find them. I don't, don't you got to find that stuff. Yeah, I, my my buddy has some probably some better pictures. I'll have to get it from him. You but, got you got to find those. So you were how old? We started the team that year in eighth grade, and Jordan oh, wow. Jordan came and spoke to us. This was twenty twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan came and spoke to us at like one of our first meetings and wore his Auburn jersey. And me and Lucas and Carson were like, oh, my God, like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, this dude has got an Auburn jersey on. And we had, <laughs> we had been following him and seeing that he was successful. And he uh, he actually singled us out because we reached out to him and, like, said thanks for coming. And he was like, hey, you guys know any good ponds? And uh, so we went to, uh, went to this juiced-up pond, this private neighborhood that we got. We, like, had to pull some major strings to get permission to go to. And Jordan was like, Hey, y'all ever thrown a drop shot? <laughs> and he had like some robo worms and we, we had never thrown a drop shot before. We're like, no, like, what is that? And like, dude, we whacked them. Like probably I think a few over seven and like countless four and five pounders. And we were just bombing the drop shot in the middle of the pond, like catching them every cast. It was the, it was crazy. And it was cool. Cause two weeks later he qualified for the classic and, uh, like neither of us could drive. He came and picked us up from our house, took us pond fishing and drove us home. And then we went to our first classic that year on Gunnersville and he almost won, you know, like he, he had a good chance to win. He and, would have, he had four fish, I think on the first day and then he absolutely destroyed everyone on the last couple of days, finished like fourth. I just remember that because he was punching real shallow dead stuff with yeah. a heavy weight and those fish were getting up underneath it for warmth early in the year. He didn't figure it out on the first day. If he had, he, I'm not kidding. He would have won that classic as the college angler by like 12 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. I think he finished in sixth, and that was like the highest any college guy has ever finished. So I mean, one of these days, a college guy will win it. That'll be wild. But uh, that was like what did it for me for Auburn, you know, seeing that Auburn truck and boat go across the classic stage at the first classic I'd ever been to. Like, this is where I want to fish in college. 
I remember uh, that classic. He had those two on that final day, and they were both like eights. And he yeah. pulls them out of the live well, and he screams. Like yeah. You have that picture somewhere where he's wearing the Auburn, and it's like Auburn in the background, and he's got these two monsters. He's on his home lake at Gunnersville. It was, I mean, I still think probably the crowning moment for, uh, uh, you know, outside of when Upshaw, I think, was the first one to cross the classic stage, but uh, probably the crowning cool. moment for the high school anglers in the in the Bassmaster Classic right there was when he pulled those two just beasts out. Yeah, that was that was some of the coolest stuff I'd ever seen. Brandy oh, Howell had that. Found it. Hold on, I gotta I gotta pull this up. <laughs> he was on the show yesterday. That oh, was really? just, yeah, that was just a total total uh, randomness. Yeah, I've making Steve Kennedy proud. <laughs> Look at this. This yeah, is Steve. Steve was like, that's it right there, isn't it? Yeah, that's sick, dude. That was that was so cool to see that. And you're like sitting in the crowd in eighth grade, just jacked out of your mind. Yeah, dude, we went crazy. We were like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Yeah. Hold on, let me pull up. Uh, let me see where he actually how what he actually did finish in that. He had like like two twenty seven pound bags or something. Uh, and, uh, it, did he not have? Like, uh, did he not have like just an awful first day? Yeah, yeah, four fish for like 12 pounds. He finished sixth. Oh, that was the one that Mueller had a freak show bag in. Yeah, that was the one Randy Howell won off the bridge. Yeah, so Randy Howell went 20 pounds, 18 pounds, 29 2. This was a Western classic, dude. This is an underrated classic. Paul Mueller went. This classic ever. Paul Mueller lost that classic by a pound. He went three for nine ten on the first day. Then five for thirty-two-three on the second day. Jeez. Then five for twenty-four eleven. He set the all-time classic heavyweight and lost by a pound with 13 fish. One pound, one 14 incher. Mm, that's yeah. tough. I didn't even know that he only had three fish the first day. I just knew he had the record for the beast bag. Who came in? Uh, dessert? I think Randall Darp was up there. Yeah. Oh, so that was the one where Randall. So I'm still at odds on this one. I think that they. Ex, they kind of exaggerated how big the one that Randall lost in the laydown was to make Dude. it look like that I never saw big. that fish. I've watched that. I've watched that replay probably a hundred times and I've never actually seen the fish. Yeah. I don't, I'd have to see the video again. I just remember watching that video and be like, Oh my gosh, like he lost the winning fish. I, and, um, and the way he responded it at. How much did he lose? Was he in third? No, he was in like fifth. Hmm. Ott, uh, Ott was up there here. I want to see if, uh, Oh, remember that was the one where didn't he break down in that classic too? And they put a, a whole new uh was that an Evanroot or something back then? They put a whole new uh I think you're right. like motor. That was like one of the first years they were like doing the GoPro stuff. Like they had like the all the GoPro footage of Randy Howell on that bridge. That was yeah. so sick. I don't know. I can't find it. I just remember he slacklined that thing in that tree and the whole thing, but you never actually saw it. I yeah. Don't know. I my... 
That was a very underrated classic. Uh, uh, yeah, Randall Tharp, he ended up losing by four pounds, but he only had 15-7. Yeah, Jordan Lee went four for 13-7, and then he went 24 and 24-10. Jeez. On the last two days. By far the most consistent. He had 62-1, so he was a little bit over five pounds off. Yeah, if he had 19 pounds on the first day, he wins. And he was he called a, a number of times on the second and third days. I just remember, like, he since he's from there, it was like that dead, uh, is it hyacinth mats? Or I don't know if it's hyacinth mats, but it's like that dead, shallow grass. It doesn't look like there's any fishing, and he was punching that stuff in, like, two foot of water, just wrecking them. Yeah, that was sick, man. I'd like to see another college guy go and, you know, like, compete for the title because I know that they can do it. I mean, there's college guys that, that if it sets up right for them, like that set up right for Jordan, you know, like a lot of these guys qualify and it's like that set up good for how they like to fish. But And what's even crazier is that they went back to back, Matt and Jordan. Yeah, that was crazy, man. I think, I think one of these days, I would say in the next 10, 10 years, one of these days, a college guy is going to pull it off, and it's going to be insane. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I uh, I got to know uh, Louis Minetti over yeah. this past year, dude. I like that dude, man. He, he's so yeah. he's so easy going. Such he's a nice awesome. guy. Yeah, he's he brought awesome. like like fifty people with him to the classic. Like, and they were all like straight Jersey, like up there doing like shots of tequila after the classic was over and stuff like celebrating that he had you know had fished yeah. it, was, it was good stuff <laughs> yeah that was really cool all right anything else you want to get in here before i let you go no man i think we pretty much covered it all just uh if you are a high school or college angler or a parent of or know someone you know tell them about my tournament i've been trying to uh get the word out as much as i can make a good push these past these next couple weeks and uh, as long as they sign up before November 10th, which is Sunday, um, a few Sundays from now. So tell them about it. Get them to sign up. It's going to be an awesome time. And uh, thanks for having me on, dude. Hopefully we can do it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. I enjoyed the heck of it. It's actually, like, long overdue. Like, I've always meant to to get you guys on uh, or, or get you on after the U.S. Open. And then, you know, every it all happens and everyone is on. And then the tournament season starts and then it – and then it just never happens. So log overdue. Great job. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. All right. Good luck next year. Good luck getting everything ready next year. It's going to be a stressful Thanksgiving, Christmas. I know all those guys try to, they've done it for 20 years and they still think it's stressful. So the first one got to be cool. You'll look back and didn't you say you have a fiance too? So then you're also getting married next year. Yeah, we're, uh, we're getting married next December. So got it's going to be a big year for us next year for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 2024. All right, Logan. Thanks, man. Thanks, dude. See ya. All right. That was Logan Parks, one of the newest additions to the Bassmaster Elite Series. Uh, we're going to take our final break of the show when we come back, break down what we have going on for the rest of the week. A little bit of an abbreviated week, a shortened week, uh, but hopefully you guys will understand why when I explain what's going on. We'll be back BTL right after this. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. 
Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. Get the best patterns backed by tournament data. Start by finding the best 10% of your lake. Know exactly what to look for and what to throw. After that, you just put them in the boat. Try the deep dive app today. Look at that beast right there. Having confidence in your tackle while on the water is one of the main things to success in my opinion. In the last couple of years with Denali, I've had just that. From anything from spinning rods, casting rods, tungsten products, even now to casting and spinning reels, I have the confidence to go out there and get the job done and know that all my equipment is going to handle it and do it just the way I want it. The thing about Denali is you've got great quality products at a great price point, so make sure you check them out. I'm the kind of guy that never leaves a house without a pocket knife, and Gamagatsu's come out with the EDC series of knives. EDC stands for everyday carry, so whether you're on the water or off, you can always have it with you. The best thing about it to me is that assisted open feature. With this D2 blade, you've got it right here at your fingertips, so if you can't find your scissors, you need to cut a knot, you need to cut your braid, you've always got it. Make sure you check it out. Never leave home without your Gamagatsu EDC knife. Born in Japan, using technology, innovation, and precision, Sunline produces the widest selection of fishing lines at the most technologically advanced line factory in the world. Manufactured at the strictest tolerances to produce victories at the highest levels of tournament bass fishing, from household names like Christie, Swindle, and Cruz, to young guns like Cook, Logan, New, and Welcher, they all trust Sunline to take them to the top of the leaderboard. Choose the line that will give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. Sunline. All right, we are back. We got three-day week, and I wasn't intending to have a three-day week, but we have a three-day week. I'm going to explain why. So I got a, a message uh, a couple weeks ago, or a week ago, from uh, Brandon Burks. Now, if that name sounds familiar, it is because it is the young man that we had on this show last year, I believe. Hell, it might have been two years now, when uh, O.H. Ivy was popping off, and he caught the world record mean mouth. But there was some deal with like multi hooked lures because he was using an umbrella rig where the IGFA didn't recognize it. But at the time, he was like trying to get it recognized. But he came on the show uh, and talked about it, gave a great interview. He's a guide and an electronics expert by trade. And so uh, I think that that record did not, did not go through. But in his quest to, uh, to keep putting people on giant fish he messaged me a week and a half ago he's like dude he's like i can't tell you where and i can't tell you how uh he goes but i'm really dialed in and i was like okay that's that's cool uh he goes i i had a cancellation he goes i got an open day and he goes if we get uh sudden wind he goes we got a chance to crack 50 I'm like 50 fish. And he's like, no, five for 50. He goes, I'll send you the, the pin when you're on your way here. He said, the only day I've got is the 26, which is Thursday. Okay. Well, you know, my job is doing BTL folks, but I'm also in the fishing industry and, uh, I'm also a bit of a degenerate fisherman. So here I got to share this screen here so this is his instagram right now and i don't know i honestly i do not know the name of this lake i do not know where it is um 
he is based out of Texas. So, I mean, I know that it's within a radius because I can drive there, but I don't know. All right. Here's his Instagram right now. Um, look at this. These are all like over the past couple weeks. Uh, he's dialed. Absolutely dialed in. Uh, so I called Frank and I said, uh, I said, dude, I'm not, I'm not going to be in the, in the studio on Thursday. I'm going fishing. So I'm going with Brandon Burke's fishing would be exciting. Uh, we'll be excited to see how that goes. I've caught three tens in my life. It's been, it's been a minute. It's been probably eight years, eight or nine years since I've caught a 10 pounder. So, I mean, no pressure. I mean, if I go, I just want to kind of see what it's all about, what that hype of that big giant Texas fish is all about. So, uh, that's all we got. Like I said, if you know a high school or a college angler that uh, fishing chaos, high school, college chaos tournament, sounds like a great deal. Logan really brought it. Really appreciate him coming on, talking about a variety of things over the years. He seems like he knows his, uh, knows his history pretty good, too, for fishing. But So tomorrow, day four, on day three with Frank Scalish. And Frank is going to talk about his weight. That's right. It's all about uh, weight and adjusting the same bait with different weights for drastically different uh, results. A uh, couple things. Check the link in the bio. It's that time of year. We're rigging electronics. We're putting new stuff on the boat. Uh, the Bass Tank has you covered with the Bass Tank Academy. Click on the link in the bio to check that out. Also, if you are fishing the Bassmaster Open EQs as a boater, uh, AFCO is running the AFCO Bass Boot Camp again. First time they've done that since 2019. That link will also be in the bio of the show on YouTube, the BTL YouTube. Uh, an opportunity to get $16,200, the entire entry fee for 2024 Opens. Paid for, you have to be registered for the Opens or committed to fishing the Opens in 2024, plus a bunch of AFCO apparel and, uh, and things like that. And then also... Uh, excited I, I made contact with uh, Clyde Glenn who won the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame BTL uh, trip extravaganza a bunch of AFCO stuff a $250 gift card he uh, supported the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame now I will admit when I talked to him about the photo he was like hey man uh, you're kind of second fiddle. He's like, I bid also. I bid on two trips. He's like, you were kind of the backup trip. I really wanted to go Sasquatch hunting with Greg Hackney. I bid on that trip, but wasn't able to get it. I said, you know what? I would much rather go Sasquatch hunting with Greg Hackney than co-host BTL as well. So fully understand that. But we are in the works of putting something together for him to be the co-host of BTL for a day in either December or January. So I wanted to, uh, to point that out. Also, uh, thumbs up, like, share. Uh, the YouTube has been popping off. The downloads have been up. Massive support to the BTL listeners and viewers who take five seconds out of their day to, to leave a review, to leave a thumbs up. It may not seem like much to you, but for me on the back end of things as we go into a brand new year, that really helps uh, with sponsors, with being able to bring more content, working towards being able to bring more content, more live content. So tomorrow, Wednesday, the 25th, Frank Scalish live, and then no show on Thursday. 
Thanks, Logan, for jumping on today. That's all we got. We'll see everybody tomorrow. Later.